Dave. It's so Matt. good to see your face. It's so good to see yours as well. And, you know, and we take do, a look inside your home. You're seeing basically a white wall and a Jennifer Aniston calendar. That's correct. There she is. Oh, there she is. March was not her best month, but it's not her fault. Yeah, it was not anybody's best month, but it's a great no. photo. She's in the desert. Beautiful. She's in an animal print dress. I mean, uh, flawless skin. Now, what's uh, what's behind you on this bulletin board? Looks like you've got all kinds well, I'll of tell you, Matt. fun stuff. I'll tell you, Matt. These are this. My office used to be Ben's studio, so he built ah. all of these like uh, sound baffle things that are basically like foam in a wood frame, like with now like wrapped in burlap, and, oh, wow. and so they were there for when he was recording things in here. Um, so it's good for soundproofing and making this room sound less echoey. But I then I did the Martha Stewart thing where I put ribbons on and then I stick in little pictures and mm-hmm. numbers from races and things of that nature. Very cute. We should I so guess it's, it's obvious that we're talking on Zoom. I, people assume that by now. Yeah, of course. We are doing this from our respective homes via Zoom because we can't leave. How are you holding up in the quarantine, Matt McConkie? You know... I, it's not terrible. I I am coming off this long stretch of working from home. So it's not that different. I I right. was I had I was at a point where I was like starting to get depressed. I'm talking about pre-coronavirus, pre everything where I was starting to like get stir crazy, get depressed and uh and then started a job in a writer's room and was so relieved to just have a place to go every day and interact yeah. with people for like hours uh, you know, every day. And then after f- four weeks of that, then this happened. So I'm kind of back to where I was, but the one saving grace is that we are still working on zoom as so many people are. So I still get, have the sense of like an obligation, a thing that eats up the time every day, right. interacting with people. So that, and like getting some exercise and getting outside with Faye is so far keeping me sane. Good. How about you? Good. Okay. I too largely work from home, so the disruption in that way has not been uh, too too much. Right. Um, but you know, just the whole thing of knowing that if I want to go out, I can't is uh, is a little. It's it's one of those things where you just really have to take it a day at a time. Yeah. Now you're going out. I mean, you're, you're getting out for walks, runs. I mean, yes, that is all still acceptable, right? As, as of today, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm running around the few people that I see outside so that, you know, there's no risk of contamination. The other day we were, I was thinking of getting a group together and doing a a responsibly socially distant run along the beach. Mm -hmm. But then I woke up that morning and thought, well, that's still a terrible idea. It's still a really bad idea because you don't know how many people are going to be down there. And then the next day the beaches were closed. So, um, I will say I'm also trying to get out for the occasional drive because ah. that's still that's still legal as far as I know. And the idea, like from the valley to Highland Park yesterday, I had to drop something off at a friend's house, 15 minutes. Great. Uh, every morning at 9 a.m., I map it to see how long it would take theoretically for me to get to the uh, Santa Monica Pier, 25 minutes. 
All wow. of these things are beautiful. Even thinking about it gives me a little thrill. That is a thrill. I don't know that we are supposed to be driving places that aren't uh, an emergency, but, you know. Well, I think getting out and being in places if it's not an emergency is the no-no. Driving, I think, should be safe, right? You're just going yeah. out into your own car. Uh, also, you should know the air is unbelievably clean uh, because of the rain and so many fewer people on the road. So I would say get out for a little spin and just notice that you can see like Catalina from yeah. Mulholland Drive. It's amazing. Breathe it in. Um, Breathe it in. By the way, uh, we should just plug the fact that uh, our own Ben Wise has uh, a new album. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. We've been listening to the test pressings of the vinyl this week, and it sounds fantastic. He is on Bandcamp. Yes, I already ordered my vinyl, eagerly awaiting oh, its arrival. Oh, thank you. It sounds great. It really sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's his it's, best it's record yet. Very, very good. I mean, the one song that I that I heard that he posted, you know, when he yeah. um, started mm-hmm. sharing Played about everything it. Played everything with drums. So, so impressive. So good. Yeah, he's great. He is great. Uh, what else are you uh, listening to, reading, watching? Uh, did you watch Tiger King? I am two episodes in. I don't think I can do it. It's so, I know it's it's tough when it's it's such a like cultural moment, but we've been watching it and every time we're like, this is such a bummer. I can't, I, I don't need a thing to tell me that humans are garbage right now. Right. I, I need the opposite. Um, also, I mean, like if I'm, if I'm rooting against a polyamorous gay thruple, something's up. <laughs> oh something's God. And up. the representation in terms of what he is bringing for is only gets worse. No. I can promise the, you. The whole thing, spoiler alert in episode two of, uh, of him saying to like the young, the, the big tall guy with the big hands who comes in, like, are you straight? Yeah, I'm straight. Well, when you're watching porn, do you look at the dicks? Oh, that, you, that means you're not completely straight and like seducing him that way. But then also for sure with drugs, but we don't, yeah. I don't know if we ever get fully into that. We do. It's, we do. Uh, we get deep into that in a way that is very, very dark and actually very, very oh, sad. Oh God. Oh yeah. boy. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do it. It's interesting, but I don't think I can. Yeah, we're just trying to to plow through it. Uh, I I mean, there is also it's it's very haunting for me because the main guy, the main Tiger King, Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic. A lot of people have been reaching out to me because I had this cousin who, uh, when I moved to LA, lived here, and he was like, picture Joe Exotic with. Like a, like a, like a, if possible, like less, um, a, a less attractive, kind of less put together Joe Exotic. Okay. Okay. Uh, but similar Joe Exotic, voice, I will similar say, style. He, his, his aesthetic is not for me, but it's thought through. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As was my cousin Robbie's and cousin Robbie, okay. um, lived in Azusa and, uh, had us creepy vibe uh, and a sort of a mullety kind of aesthetic similar to Joe Exotic. And he, well, he did stalk me, legitimately stalked me when I moved to LA. And I may have told this story in here before, but you know, and I was 21 and uh, he was, uh, I think identified as bisexual and was with a woman, but would also 
but also had like a kind of hitting on me thing happening. And this was like a cousin that I'd never, I had maybe met when I was a kid, but then he moved away and then he tracked me down when he heard that I moved to LA. And he was part of a, not like a Ren Faire thing, but a similar sort of reenactment group where they reenacted battles from the Middle Ages. And he was always trying to lure me into coming on one of these awful trips with him and his Get you in wife. chain mail. Yeah. And um, he, uh, I would save his messages and play them for people on speakerphone because they would get more and more psychotic. It was like an office space, you know, when they you go through. Anyway, yeah. So I, the messages would be like, "Hello, Matthew. It's your cousin Robert." Uh, and then the next one would be like, "Matthew, it's cousin Robert. I don't know why you're not oh, no. calling me back." And the next one would be like, uh, "Well, I guess uh, you're never going to call me back. I thought I want to let you know I'm coming into town from Azusa. I'm gonna go to the Abbey. I thought maybe you'd come meet me for a cocktail and uh, maybe." One thing will lead to another. Uh, you know what? I won't go there. I won't go there. It was like, oh, you're just fully Matt. trying to have sex with your cut. Granted, I'm adopted. So maybe in his mind that made it excusable. But Matt, that's no. It uh-uh. was no. truly he haunted me. And um, anyway, then he died. Oh, and I, I don't remember how he died. I, I don't mean to laugh at the fact, the fact that he died. I just mean the fact that sometimes I will, to this day, go back to my mom and be like, do you remember how cousin Robbie died? And she'll be like, liver or something. Like no one can really yeah. nail down what the circumstances were. But our joke, of course, has always been that he died in battle. But he did not. <laughs> Well, because I just, I think that would have been a noble oh, way for him, him yeah. to go. What a beautiful thing. Oh, Jesus. I had no idea. When's, when's the Netflix documentary coming? I, if only. I, I do wonder if there's footage of him anywhere. Because, like, my description of him does not do it justice in terms of just the strangeness. But Joe Exotic is a, is a pretty good um, comparison. Wow. Wow. How lucky to have a Joe Exotic right in your own family. Truly, truly terrifying. Um, Um, Matt, have we discussed uh, Ghosted? No. The, uh, the, the, you know, Roz Dressvilles, who's been on the show, she has a podcast, Ghosted. Yes, yes. Um, She did a live episode of it uh, at uh, Casita del Campo a couple of weeks ago. I was the guest. Uh, The other guest was uh, a medium named Elena something. Mm -hmm. Um, Weird name. uh, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Moments before the show began. We were just kind of chilling out backstage. She kind of leaned up on me. And then she went, uh, hey, who's Charlie? Charlie keeps wanting me to to, uh, tell you he's here. Charlie is the name of my late father. Oh, my God. And I'm still still a little fucked up behind it. I... um, and and that, so, so she says that, and then literally the lights go down and the show starts. And it's like, hey, let's play spooky fun games with a you know with a drag queen in the basement of a Mexican restaurant. I, I, can't, I I'm I'm still I'm reeling. And then during in the course of the show, is she bringing up Charlie again, or what I happened? sure am. Uh, because I mean, it's like, it's, it's a series of fun little games and challenges. Yeah. Like, and, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't understand. You're telling me my father's here and I'm supposed to focus on a 
literally anything else. Um, I, I asked if he was happy. Elena said, he says he's good. Which, okay. Carefully sounds... chosen words. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I realized, like, I'm having this conversation in front of 100 drunk strangers. Um, yeah. She did say, because uh, the, the next weekend I was supposed to have a Friday 40 at uh, Dynasty Typewriter, mm-hmm. which, of course, got canceled. But she was like, he says to save him a seat and and his favorite hat with the with the gold, the gold thing on it. Um uh, put, uh, save him a seat and put it on there. This that I am wearing right now, this, this is gold it? colored newsboy cap that was my dad's favorite hat, which I literally have in my office, is now something that I'm just kind of wearing. Wow. Yeah. And would was there any part of you that wondered, did she, you know, you are a, a public there's person. An internet. The, these are, there's an internet. There's an internet. Charlie is what threw me, not Charles. Right. His name was Charles. Not Charles, not Chuck, but uh, but Charlie, which is what he went yeah. by. Could be a lucky guess. I don't know. The hat thing, though, the hat's was, uh, pretty... was strange. So, wow. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. Do you think you'll, ever, you'll uh, you know, want to sit down up? with Elena something again? Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm counting every penny right now. So not, not at the moment, but, uh, but may, who knows? Maybe so. But if she's, I mean, if she's giving free zooms out, then, you know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, do, yeah. Do I want to have a seance where, you know, my full message is, you know, sorry, you've had to watch me masturbate dad. <laughs> uh, I don't, you know. I don't know. Uh, God, that is fascinating. I wish I'd seen that. And is that episode of Ghosted out? I don't know whether it is. I don't don't know know. whether it is. Yeah. I don't know. But if it isn't, it will be soon. Anyway. Well, in the meantime. Hey, new Dua Lipa album out today. Woo! Oh, the album is out. I didn't know. The album album is out. I got an advance. Uh, My thoughts will be up on Esquire today. Very excited. Great, oh, also, so uh, follow Esquire on Instagram. I'm taking over their Instagram feed for the weekend. I'll be doing some oh, lives and some baby. Q&As. Maybe, maybe have a celebrity guest or two. Ooh. Uh, ooh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we still have some interviews uh, banked preview from b- before mm-hmm. and from that before we time. will be releasing. Uh, but pretty soon we're going to start doing podcasts like this over zoom yeah we are you know yeah. remotely um so we'll continue to be with you every friday yes we're not leaving you other. our no. friends no uh this particular episode is is perfect for the moment because it is with a gamer that's it's perfect right for a time in which we cannot leave our homes christopher bryant is a g-a-y-mer he's a gamer mm-hmm. And he's a gamer a and a charmer and uh and 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 just a sweetheart baby doll. Uh we had yeah. such a delightful time talking to him. Um and uh he's a fascinating guy and so so funny. Uh and he's also a comic to watch according to Yes, uh, he is. Time, time out. out LA. <laughs> yep. So I'm sure he'll be doing some shows over Zoom soon. Maybe I hope I so. Know. I, I don't know so. what standups are doing. Um, but uh, yeah, 
without further ado, uh, enjoy our chat with Christopher Bryant. And we are back with Chris Bryant. Hi. Hi. <laughs> In a, in a resplendent in a Sailor Moon sweatshirt. In a uh, Sailor sweatshirt. Moon sweatshirt, as always, I think. I love it. You I came it. in like such a sweetheart, coming in going, I know you guys don't know who the fuck I am. <laughs> I sent you a bio, but let me tell you who I am, which was so sweet. But of course we knew who you are. We looked at it and, and, and we're fans and we're very happy Aww. that you're here. But it, you're yeah, one to watch, Chris Bryant. You I are. guess they put me on a comics to watch list this year. So lists mean things, I guess. People, of course. my agent was happy. Yes. <laughs> Um, Congratulations. Y- thank you. Yes, yeah, so I was on Comics to Watch this year, and then uh, I also work in a nonprofit in video games, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're trying to make the uh, video game industry as diverse as TV, not just with characters, but also people working in video games, hopefully feeling like the environment's a little bit more safe and friendly for them. Uh-huh. Because Which, the environment as it is now, or maybe as it was in the recent past, was quite toxic for um, any minority, to be honest, but it's specifically women and people who are LGBT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So they're starting to talk about it a little bit more. I know Netflix just did like a mini doc with uh, Hassan Minaj about it, about kind of the hate that people in the industry get. Um, Basically, my best friend, his name is Cannon Spackman. He is a uh, head up at PlayStation. And... I was seeing as a friend that every time the PlayStation Network went down, he would go on LinkedIn and get, like, hundreds of death threats. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, let's talk to some other, like, how do we get, like, queer people together in the industry? Like, let's have a talk about it. And a lot of minorities, women, and LGBT people in the video game industry were just, like, getting bombarded and barded by, you know, hate every day on Twitter even, like, I never knew people would create fake LinkedIn accounts to send death threats to people. Like, it was it was bizarre. Um, so we just started hosting parties for people, uh, specifically in the industry at first, but then it just became, like, this kind of bigger and bigger thing. Like, we had one party last year where 2,200 people showed up. Um, oh. I had no idea there were that many queer nerds in the area. <laughs> But just trying to get people together and hopefully create the atmosphere to be, you know, safer. Uh-huh. What was your relationship to gaming prior to, to doing this work? <laughs> I love the dog noises, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's part of the ambience. <laughs> the sure. ambience. Um, I think as, uh, I mean, I don't know what it was for you guys, but like everyone, uh, I, I think that's like queer that comes from an unsafe environment. I came from the South. I have like a lot of family members there in the KKK. It was wow. a very dangerous environment. So my first uh, knowledge of queer representation was actually in the video game The Sims. I don't know if you remember that. The yes. Sims was a PC game where you got to control people in their lives. And yeah. I was like, oh, you can make two men kiss. Like that was like a brand new concept for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that as a, you know, closeted queer kid um, in the Bible Belt, video games was my first escape, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that now that we've been, you know, working with a lot of homeless youth shelters and starting like with the um, uh, LGBT Center of L.A., you know, trying to create um events for homeless youth. I didn't realize how many youth actually get involved with, you know, uh, with, with gaming, uh, media to just kind of escape their bad backgrounds, you know? 
So that was kind of like my first intro. Did you guys ever play any video I, games? I, the Is this most the worst? Basic. I, I mean, I know I'm. I just am going to sound a hundred years old. No, but please. I, I was a Nintendo kid, Super Nintendo. And that's kind of where it stopped. Yeah, it's kind of too confusing now because now yeah. you you have a game and you can just like explore homes and like read fake books. Like they yeah. write books to be in video games to you. It's like a little intense now. Dave, <laughs> it's a lot you, intense uh, now. A I'm kid? a generation before you. So my I was in the Atari in television. Oh. In my household, Magnavox Odyssey 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're talking early 80s. And so, then that was when you kind of started and then it just, we were like, okay. Well, there, there was, in between that first generation, or the first generation of like home games, mm-hmm. there there was like a drop off for about five years and then there was Nintendo. Got it. Nintendo yeah. didn't really like come to like saturate the suburbs until like 87. Well, there's actually Atari was over by like 83. Yeah. yeah. There was a huge gaming crash after Atari. Cause right. there were way too many consoles that came up and Nintendo actually kind of brought back the video game, you right. know, to casual market. And yeah. Have you ever gone back? I, mean, I know these were all before your time, but have you ever gone back and played all of these, you know, vintage games? Uh, I've tried to play most of them. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone's played Pac-Man and right. like yeah. some of the base Atari games, but I'm not a huge, huge retro gamer. I, I'm more like the SNES, NES era is kind of yeah. my my retro, which I'm sure for you, you want to like kill me as I call that retro. No, no, no. But that's kind of what I think what for me would be more so what I'd spend time with. But We're talking like Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like I think that for me is more the retro things. I've, but I've obviously played like Space Invaders and Pac-Man mm-hmm. and like the basic the basic ones. What yeah. are you loving now in the gaming world? So right now, I think we've been just having conversations with a bunch of video game ex- executives about how to get more queer characters in gaming that are also not stereotypical, offensive. Like the problem that we had with 90s television of um, characters being these like clear stereotypes in television is yeah. kind of what's happening now in, you know, 2020 in video games. Mm-hmm. We were like, I'm a weak gay character and can't do anything. So we've been trying to hopefully uh, create more diverse queer characters. The Last of Us 2 is coming out and the protagonist is a young lesbian, which is really cool. Oh, wow. And Sony actually opened up one of their E3 conferences with, uh, which is like a big video game conference with a lesbian kiss which caused every nerd bro to lose their mind because they changed on all of their social media platforms uh, to be the Pride logo uh, for the PlayStation, like, to be rainbows, like Uh the PlayStation logo. And then they opened up their conference with a lesbian kiss, which was really, really awesome. Wow. So I think that's the thing I'm most excited about is to have a protagonist that's A, a woman, and B, to be a lesbian female is, like, really exciting for me. And it's one of the best uh, top-rated video games. Uh, The the original one, this is a sequel to that, is, like, one of the top-rated video games of all time. So my... My boyfriend does dabble. I mean, he, there is, there are, this is so, I don't even know what they are. There are different consoles in our house, a few (laughs) different ones that I'm assuming are like, you know, the ones that you want people use. Yeah. Yeah. People use. So the reason I'm saying that is that I think like I, I I probably have access to a lot of these things, but if Uh you were to create just kind of like a gaming starter pack for me, what would you recommend? Where where should I begin? 
Um, I w- I'm, I'm a huge fan of PlayStation just because they've been so supportive of LGBT rights and they've been really great with giving us finances and to, to raise money for the center and stuff. Like, I think we raised about 10 grand last year and this year, like I, we're trying to get to 17 to 18 grand mm-hmm. and they've been giving us a lot of products. So I always say if you're a queer person, like PlayStation's really great because they also are trying to give back to the community. Um, we do have a PlayStation. I yeah. Can picture it, yes. The best, I would say The Last of Us is great because one of the female protagonists is queer. Right. So any, uh, that's the first one that jumps out. Overwatch is really great. They have a lot of uh, queer prota- uh, protagonists that you can choose from in the game and people of color, which is really awesome. So I always say, uh, yeah, Overwatch is really great if you're if you're new and starting with games to try to get with the mechanics and right. everything. Yeah. And it's a good thing to like a lot of couples now are playing together. Yeah. Though I'm sure for you, you're like, please get away from me. Just play your game box. And like, yeah. let me watch a TV show by myself. Is that no? It actually works pretty seamlessly. And there's also the one, I mean, there's one that you can pick up and take. It. It's a little, yeah, the switch. The yes, Nintendo. It's a switch. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so that way he that can will do... move to the other room while I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Do you like your spaces? Like, is are you kind of like get away from me, honey? Sometimes are you more of like the like where you kind no, of no? We're, we're like happy to be in the same space doing different stuff. Good, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, that way you can do something different and you can enjoy your own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you consuming, like pop culture or media wise, uh, when you're not? Gaming. Oh God, I'm the worst. So the problem is, is it's like every day it's like wake up, uh, have a bunch of like either phone conferences with like video game executives doing standup, uh, filming or whatever, whatever project I'm working on the moment. And then it's like, and then I have to play whatever game with the person I'm meeting with. So I think like, what am I watching right now? I've watched, don't judge me. I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time. Why? No, no, I, I, I haven't watched it either. You and haven't every, either? I know people are always shocked. How, yeah. How is it going? Uh, I, it's, it's a lot. I, so I, I grew up never being allowed to watch most media because I grew up in the Bible Belt. So I was like, I've heard that Buffy was a very queer pot. Like it meant a lot for queer mm-hmm. people. It's very camp. Uh, it's very, it's interesting. It's very like monster of the week. There's a new monster every single, you know, episode. Something different is always happening. But it is, again, very queer. So I've been trying to kind of jump back on 90s. I've also just been so exhausted. I've just been watching House Hunters. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like, that's right. all. It is comfort <laughs> food, la- it, it is. Nothing happens. It's yeah. just a couple's arguing. They probably already chose the house beforehand. For and sure. then they're like, you know, Jamie likes this. And Jonathan likes this. And I'm just like, this is all I can emotionally handle at it the moment. It goes down so easy. I get it. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys watching? Uh, I am reaching back okay. into time uh, and watching a, a network on Pluto TV called Buzzer. Oh. Which is all game shows of the 80s. So you 90s. like game shows then? I don't know that I love game shows. It's funny. I wrote a thing about a specific game show mm-hmm. that's on there that I'm fascinated by because it's very, very bad. And and I, and I have just uh, – I've broken into game show Twitter. Like there is full game show. No, Twitter. no, there is. It's and, horrifying. And They're there's scary. queer game show Twitter. Oh no. Um, or I should say, game show Twitter is very queer. Like yes. there are a lot of gay men specifically who love video or love game games, like game show games. Yep. Um, so that's that's been an interesting kind of a deal. I can't say I love the game show, but I, I do like what a game show from four decades ago tells us about our culture today. So yeah. it's like I love the fashion. I love the the weird gender mechanics. I, mm-hmm. I just, I really, I like it. 
You know what's interesting is people consuming older media, they feel that things are too offensive for them to watch nowadays, like, because they'll say offensive things. But for me, it actually makes, it sparks joy in me because I'm like, oh, look how far we've come. Right. Like watching uh, even old episodes of Will and Grace. I'm like, oh, yay. Like, look at like where we've come from then. Like this right. is, and if it wasn't for the show, like look how it even, or Three's Company. Yeah. Three's Company has not aged well, but at the time to have someone pretending to be queer, um, to to be able to live in his space, uh, John Ritter's character, I think, had to yeah. like be queer to live in that space. That was huge at the time to have yeah. someone on television. Just to acknowledge the gayness existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very exciting. But you talk to some, you know, uh, what are the what are the new gens, the Gen Zs or whatever? I don't know what right. they're called. And they're like, this is offensive. I can't watch this. And you're like, well, in context of the time. But I'm happy because it shows me like this was a stepping stone, and look how yeah. far we've come from that. You know? Yeah. Today is going to look shocking from someone's perspective. Yeah. Point. It's hard because I'm, I'm like a diehard Friends fan, and it is something that has not <laughs> aged well. And it is embarrassing how how white it is and that lesbi- simply the word lesbian is used as like a hard laugh punchline regularly. Yes. And that, you know, there's always a, a runner where people think Chandler's gay and that's hilarious. And, and it – but at the same time, it was, I think, the first network show to depict a same-sex wedding, and they got some jokes out of it, but mostly it was depicted respectfully, I think. It's, you know, so it is a, a mixed bag. Um, but yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. It's weird because I've been, uh, so last year I was traveling back from, uh, I had a meeting with Sony in, in Japan, and I've never been there before. And for some reason, I thought like, oh... Tokyo's progressive, right? And I didn't realize how backwards that culture is. And like dealing with kind of like a lot of Japanese games, why LGBT people are depicted the way they are. So it's weird how it's like, I'm hoping now that media is is merging and it's becoming more global, I'm hoping Western media will start also helping areas that are still um, have repressed, you know, homophobia and everything as well. Um, it was also weird in I don't have you have you guys ever been to Tokyo or Japan? Never have. So the culture in Japan, like they just pretend uh gay people don't exist. They're just like, oh, we don't have that here. Like yeah. there's a lot of that mentality. Like that's a Western thing. Yeah. We don't have that here. So, so it's very interesting talking to people like, no, you definitely do. <laughs> there's definitely uh, gay bars in Tokyo. Yeah. Um so it's interesting hoping that's also I feel like some of these uh, older medias in the in the 90s shows especially are now being distributed overseas and people are seeing like Buffy for the first time or, yeah. you know, it's it's, it's, it's interesting. M- Mono Agapian was here recently and he had just gotten back from, I think, Tokyo. And oh. was and he sort of posited this theory that because queerness, the like the sexuality of it is so repressed that like queerness culturally then kind of ex- has exploded all over Japan. You know what I mean? It yeah. has sort of managed to permeate its way into the culture in every way other than the sexuality and actually. It's it's very interesting. I think that where um, the homophobia in the West is quite aggressive and it's like, you know, I don't know what your experience is with homophobia, but it's, I mean, there are times where like in my life where I've been multiple times where I've been scared for someone taking my life or really physically hurt. I mean, they, I haven't beaten. So it's like, 
we deal with more of that in Japan and their culture. It's more of just like completely pretending it does not exist. And if there are people who, if a queer person walks in the, in the room, they just will not acknowledge their presence whatsoever. Mm. So it's a, it's a completely weird sense of homophobia that I didn't know. I was like, Oh, this, this can be completely different in different areas. You know, what's your relationship with your, uh, the area you grew up in now? Uh, they're not happy. (laughs) They're, they're not happy. Uh, I've really created a very, very strong, uh, identity. Like not just am I a gay person, like I'm very genderqueer. I'm very like, I have a pink bedroom. I wear sometimes, you know, more feminine female clothing. Uh, I've also, um, been very outspoken about like my mental health, autism, which it's like, so not just is this person gay, they're a very, you know, they're a very queer person. They're very much on a gender spectrum. And they're also talking about their mental health, which is for people in the South is something that's like, oh, we don't we don't like to talk about anything, uh, you know, mental health related. So most of my family and I do not talk. My parents and I have come around because they've accepted me. A lot of my family members are not very well communicating to my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard because now my parents are almost like ostracized in their own community and they don't really know what to do. So it's kind of why um, artistically, especially like my writing and my comedy is always, uh, I always just try to make light about dark things. I, I feel like it's it's one of my issues also just talking with a lot of straight men in video games all the time is like it's hard for me to bond with people that haven't been traumatized (laughs) like because i have a very dark sense of humor so it's like oh i can't make this joke without making this person just extremely uncomfortable (laughs) you know so it's like i think uh my comedy has just been a way of an outlet of just trying to like really talk about that type of environment and slowly by slowly there are people who have listened to it and their minds have been changed which is which is the good thing yeah do you get back home I went back about two years ago, and I'm going to go back now. It's always a very, A, because it's bringing yourself back to the place that you were traumatized and that you endured a lot of, I mean, I got the shit beaten out of me growing up. You know, it was, it's hard going back to the place where you felt unsafe, um, where your mental health was not being taken account for of like, why do you have these severe patterns? Why are you not able to look people in the eyes? Uh, When that's not being addressed as a kid, it makes the trauma even, you know, uh, even escalated, if that makes any sense, because Mm -hmm. then none of your mental patterns are are even, you know, addressed. So it's hard because it's like, I want to see some of my family members, but it's obviously very triggering. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, I know that it's in a weird way. I feel like it's kind of like my role as a queer person to be able to open up people's perspectives and their minds and hoping that love can overcome anything else, hoping that their love for me can overcome anything else. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. But that's like, that's family love too, is just figuring out like, what is family to me? And as much as I've had to create my own family based in, you know, Los Angeles, I think some of them have had to, you can't be my family, obviously as a queer person, you know? Mm-hmm. So.
And what is your what is your dating situation? Um, Are you seeing anyone? I just started dating um, another autistic person. (laughs) So it's the first time that I've ever uh, dated someone who is also on the spectrum, uh, which is really great because we don't have to explain any of our patterns or weird behaviors or obsessions. Like we just, uh, you know, it's kind of like I have a lot of friends who... um, uh, or transgender and they meet another transgender person at works because they just don't have to explain their whole identity to another person and they don't have to get that validation or approval from another person. So it's been really great because we just, we don't have to make eye contact. If I don't feel like being touched, I can explain like, I don't feel like being touched right now or I feel socially exhausted. Like he gets it and I don't have to explain everything. So it's been really weirdly nice um, to have that kind of, oh, you're like me type of thing. Yeah. yeah, And you uh, learned somewhat recently that you're on the spectrum. Is that right? I knew for the for a long time, but I f- officially got my diagnosis and came out last year. Um, I, I say came out meaning like I think it was equally as difficult as coming out as gay because um, we only, I feel like as a society, have talks about mental health when someone is at the point where they are not functioning in society. And I am obviously someone that's been to therapy for multiple years. I've been able to learn how to navigate eye contact, having, you know, conversations with people, developing friendships. That took years, but now people are seeing years of therapy and someone, you know, being able to come off as more neurotypical. So it was more difficult for, I think, people to accept, wait, but you're functioning. How can you be on the autism spectrum? Uh, just as like, oh, wait, but you're, you sold this show or this show. How do you deal with depression? Like, you know, I have friends that deal with that. So it's like, it's almost more difficult to, I feel like, come out about mental illness because people are almost like, well, if you're functioning, why are you talking about it then? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that backlash. Um, and it just took a while for my family to accept it too. I think weirdly enough, it was kind of like an easier, like a second coming out. And my mom was like, Oh yeah, all of your teachers said that, you know, in school, glad you're doing something about it now. I was like, thanks mom. <laughs> but it's like, there's a little bit of that, but um, it, it changed. I was in a relationship last year that just was not able to last after I started to come out being on the spectrum. Cause I think my ex could not handle um, that wasn't what he signed up for. And he wasn't signing up for someone being so open about their mental health and their, you know, and, and not being, uh, a perfect, I guess, in a, in a way, you know what I mean? Like the, the thing that he actually signed up for. So I think it changed a lot of my relationships coming out as being on the spectrum. There is a strange stigma attached to it because I know even I, I have a, a friend who is on the spectrum and I only learned recently that she was, and I found myself wanting to say, I don't know, I don't, I don't believe you because I have a nephew who's on the spectrum and it's just sort of more clearly identifiable for, mm-hmm. you know, for me. And, um, but talking to her, I've come to understand that it is, it is much more nuanced than that. And that like, like you're saying, she has had to sort of work to model neurotypical behavior. And it's, I think that's why it's nice having a partner who's also on the spectrum because I can have a breakdown and he understands Mm -hmm. where a lot of, uh, what happened I think with my relationships is I would, uh, be able to mask it for about two years and then it just would completely have a breakdown. And like, they would be like, Oh no, this is the person now. Like, 
it I tried so hard to be like, okay, the only way to be lovable is to appear as neurotypical as possible. And eventually I just came to a point where I was like, that's that's not working. And I just have to be open and honest and be like, hey, I'm able to socialize right now. But when I go home, I almost have to go in a coma because it's exhausting because I had to put on a mask or like because something touched me the wrong way and it bothered me. Like there's I'm trying to learn how to have that communication. It it also helps because it's well, it's been very confusing. They basically looped in five diagnoses in uh, in the United States as calling it autism spectrum disorder. We're used to what I would be known to have is called Asperger's. But in like Europe or Australia or most other countries, they still have the Asperger's diagnosis. So it's 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 very like it's also made it a little bit more confusing how two people can be on this autism spectrum and be entirely different where one person is having is you know screaming and jumping up and down in a in a you know in a fountain outside of a building and the other person is able to hold a job like it's like people are confused how these two people have the same thing so i think that's just why i've been trying to be so open about it is just so people can kind of see like, oh, this is kind of where this exists, especially there are so many queer people on the spectrum. And it's like, they, like, for me, I moved to LA to get away from my family. And then it's like, well, how do I meet other queer people? I have to go to West Hollywood. Oh, no, which is the worst place to put someone who's on the autism spectrum, because it's like flashing lights, techno music, uh, and just way sensory overload on top of every repressed feeling coming out. Like, I think I ran out after 30 minutes my first time going to West Hollywood when I was like 22. I was like, this is too much dealing with a all of like the scary repressed feelings on top of all of the spectrum feelings of flashing lights loud music sensory overload etc how did you meet the guy that you're dating now um my best friend who works in the video game industry actually met him uh in in a work environment i was like i think you should try dating this other person i think that it would it would be something that you could clearly understand. So we went on a date and then um, literally immediately afterwards, I was like, oh my God, I don't have to explain anything. Like you're like me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you have addiction to, you have your own addiction to different patterns. You have your own issue of sensory overload. Like we both have panic attacks while watching movies (laughs) because it's like you're in this dark light, you're surrounded by people and then there's this loud noise So it's weird. It's like I'm almost learning about things that have subconsciously bothered me that I just would shut down completely about and realize like, oh, this bothered me this whole time. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize why I had anxiety going to a movie theater. It's because of this. So it's kind of it's it's very like learning. It's also great because like sexually we don't know like we've always just mimicked the other person because we're like, oh, we have to mimic what a neurotypical person does sexually. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And now we're like, who do we who follows who like who <laughs> what do we what do we do in this instance so it's kind of a little bit of an odd exploration because we're used to just mimicking what the other person's reactions and social cues are and now there's literally no there's no way to mimic anything wow yeah you've given each other permission to just sort of drop that and be okay with not be a comfortable like be comfortable with not having to look in each other's eyes or if we don't feel like hey i had to hug like 30 people today i i can't hug you right now like be able to understand from a deep place that that's okay i totally get that so it's it's really really comfortable to not have to just like where with a neurotypical person they literally just do not understand especially like 
I mean, I've dated like actors before and you know what that's like, where it's like, what do you mean you can't hug me? No, 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 it's all about me. And it's just like, oh, (laughs) so it's nice to date someone that's the same level of being an introvert in the sense that they're just not able to give out that, you know, uh, that, that amount all the time and being able to understand if you're not able to give socially, um, what they, what they need at the time they can understand. And previously to this relationship, did you have a dating pattern? Were you using the apps? I um, was awful at dating. I think it's because I didn't have any awareness that um, I was like, oh, people bond through trauma. I should just tell my trauma at a first date. So it's like very much like this conversation just being very open. I would just go on a first date and just literally like, well, and at this moment I was raped. And then da 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 I didn't have that awareness. So I would just like, and then the problem is, is when you're that open and like the people who are attracted to that are looking to take advantage of someone, obviously, or they want to be a caretaker to someone like that, which is uh, codependency is can be its own form of abuse and controlling and manipulation tactics as well, you know, if someone's that level of codependent. So I didn't really know how to filter myself on dates and therefore was just attracting probably the worst possible people. Yeah. Uh, what, what tools are you, what tools do you use to cope with trauma? I mean, you mentioned therapy. Is that sort of the primary mode for you? Therapy, I feel like with my stand up writing, it's kind of a lot like this, where I just write real, like, this has not been a funny interview. It's probably, I feel like I'm making you guys really sad. No, um, not at all. But it's like, that's kind of how I start with stand up, is I just write really, really sad things and then like journal them down and then figure out how do I twist it around and then make it funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These like, are our intrigued faces. We're yeah, just, no, we're I just, feel just, really bad. I'm like, no, this is probably the no. most boring. No, you're not <laughs> wandering. <laughs> this is not okay. comedy bang bang. You don't need to come in with a, we're not uh, looking character. for, for yuck em ups. Not at yeah. all. Just I am so, so chill with in. just having like a, cause I, I feel like too, it's like people are always surprised. Um, and I, I know this working with a lot of comedians. It's like when I'm not on stage, I don't want to be funny. Like, I don't want to write a joke. I just want to have some vulnerable, meaningful, you know, conversations and connect with people. So I think that's, yeah, but that's how I found a way as therapy is A, finding people who I can rely on, having, you know, vulnerable conversations, but B, like my art, just really writing as sad stuff as possible. And that's my joy of stand-up is figuring out how to make really, really sad things funny. Like, that's kind of my art process. And that's mainly my therapeutic process as well. And how are you receiving the attention that you're getting now? Do you're on, do you're a comic to watch? It's, it's been interesting. I'm learning how to use Twitter for the first time, which is like, the best place for anyone that has autism. I've never, I've just only used Instagram. So Twitter, I mean, I guess you guys have used Twitter for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not well, but I mean, Dave, Dave is a master. Not really. No. Really? No, I, I mean, I've used it for a long time. I just feel like it's master. great. Cause it's like, you can just like, I can just respond with all sailor moon gifs. And apparently on Twitter, that's appropriate. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's this weird platform that I've never used. So I think, Obviously, I've I've made a lot of people upset. I've made a few people angry. Most people being people who have known me in my own personal life. Uh, 
it's been really, really awesome to get like, you know, I feel like I get like almost a letter every day of someone that's like, I came out as autistic because of blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or I like, I fought, cause my main thing has been Instagram. So it's like a lot of people that have followed me for years are like, oh, I followed you for years. I saw this in this show and then you came out as autistic and I actually, I decided to either get a book and then start talking to a therapist about it. So most of it's been pretty positive. There are people who are like, I mean, you get this from writing funny things. There are just people who are like, that's offensive. And it's like, well, you're neurotypical. How can you tell me how to, like, talk about my autism? Like, (laughs) I'm going to make jokes about it. I'm going to make jokes that are self-deprecating. It's not for you to say how I make fun of my own life is how I feel like it. There's a lot of people that find things just offensive. I I don't know if you get that a lot. Oh, every single day. Every single day, (laughs) really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. People are spoiling for a fight online at all times. And yeah. sometimes in podcasts. And sometimes in podcasts. <laughs> in podcasts. But not, not, <laughs> not today. Not with Chris Bryant. <laughs> I, I don't like fighting with people, obviously, because I have very poor communication skills as it is. So I'm like, uh, they you've seem made yourself excellent to me. Very clear. I had to write a lot of things down and then like be like, these are the points that I want to make right. before I prep for any conversation, I guess. Yeah. Look. I don't know. I I think that it's it's working. Whatever you did, you did well. Thank you. Do you guys do you have anyone on in your life that's autistic? Probably. Really? I don't know. Um Yeah, we don't discuss mental illness in my I'm from the Midwest. So very similar and, where you don't discuss mental illness. Yeah. Interesting. And I would imagine that there are um yeah, it's possible. I feel like for queer people, it's so important to talk about mental illness because so many of us have come from repressed backgrounds and we have to deal with the trauma on top of just also chemical imbalances or, you know, biological different, you know, whatever. So I think like I've just tried to be as open and honest about it because for queer people, they've spent so many years repressing their own sexuality and they're like, oh no. And then I also repress this other thing. You know what I mean? So trying to give people that thing where they can talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it's been freeing. Yeah. yeah. I, I very much related to what you were saying about you and your boyfriend mimicking what you have seen when you were with each other, because that is so much of what it is like to be young and queer is you are, you are kind of your model. You are giving back what you have been modeled. Yeah. Everyone in order to be acceptable. And I think the thing is like a lot of things of being on the spectrum and autism are things that everyone who even neurotypical people deal with, we all mimic each other. Right. We all miss social cues. We all have unawareness. Um, so it's something that everyone can relate to, but yeah, especially young being young and queer. And then you're just like, I saw this in a porn. That's what people do. Right. Like there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> even when you're not young, there's a lot of that. Well, yeah. And now that I'm 30, I'm like, well, I'm autistic. So I guess this is just what we're going to do from now on. <laughs> just mimic other people. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of people mimicking porn as their own sexual behavior, neurotypical or not, is terrifying to me. Really? Yeah. So much of what you see in porn is just not, you know, it's theatrical. Right. It's cinematic. It's not not how... And it sort of depends on who's doing it and how they're doing it. I guess, I yeah. I feel like I, in the past, have clocked it and been like, you know what? It's working for you. You're doing great. <laughs> and then there's moments where it's like, Look, that's not your strength. That's I like fine. that you're the Simon Cowell of porn watching, apparently. <laughs> no. You're just sitting there just like judging. No, honey. <laughs> no, I'm I, 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 not even a big consumer of porn. But, um, you know, but you can you can clock that when people are s- sort of 
yeah. trying to do a performance. Sure. sure. I'm so sex positive and I love like I think sex work can as can also be like a really like it's it's looked down upon on society so so much, but I mean, I've met prostitutes who are very happy at being prostitutes, you know? Right. I've met people who do sex work who are just like very very happy being sex workers, and I think that it does make me happy. I know we make lots of jokes about the OnlyFans type of concept, but it makes me happy knowing that people can have their own image in their own hands, yeah. make money themselves. Like, I'm kind of happy with at least the way that things are going in that regard, yeah. you know? Um, and as someone who, like, it's great because it's a little bit less performative. So I can be like, oh, this might be how real people have sex. Right, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's also coming off uh, writing for the Gay VNs. Yeah, the Gay Porn Awards. Oh, the, the my. Jokes this year. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a real adventure. Was that the, just the best writing gig? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Really? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say the, the producers really were on me to keep things very brief. You know, very short, very simple. Well, they can't memorize a lot. So, well, I mean, but there was a teleprompter. Really? Know? Yeah. And uh, so, and I think there were some guys who probably could have handled a, a little more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we <laughs> maybe didn't get the some that, that was just right. There are some that definitely could not handle what was there. Um, yeah, no, as it they was do, a lot as of fun. they do. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Wait, did you get to go to that. the awards then? I sure did. Was sure. that just the time of your life? It was fun. It, it was fun. It was. It reminded me of a Doctor Who convention, but for gay sex. Uh, what is a Doctor Who convention? Or like a Star Trek or oh. whatever. You know what I mean? One of these things where it's like, you know, people dress up like the characters or whatever. It was, it was just very, everybody, you know, there was a lot of exposed flesh and a lot of, you know, winky, sexy jokes. And it, it was, it was so sexual that it, completely missed being sexy. Oh, well, yeah, I you think that's I mean? great though. But that's kind of what we, but it was that's, fun. that's like a bunch of gay people. Like how sometimes we act more queer when we're with each other because sure. we end up mimicking our own culture. Yeah. I feel like that's like probably what porn stars do by yeah. themselves. They start mimicking their own po- porn culture. A yeah. little bit, yeah. a little bit. But yeah, it was, it was um, sociologically very, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I'll, I'll do it again. Were you nervous? Of course. Yeah. Anytime, anything that you right is being said by people. It's a very strange feeling, but, uh, you know, when it is the broadest possible dick jokes yeah, delivered by people who are not actors in for the most part or comedians or comedians, or, yeah. uh, or sober, um, <laughs> it, it's, it adds a, a, a new layer for sure. <laughs> I love that you were also running around in a bla- like a like a sweater and a blazer, you know, just sort of like such a kind of wholesome professional. Well, I was trying. In, in I, f- I felt like I should wear a suit. To- yeah. no, I mean, absolutely. I think there's a lot. It's that's kind of the thing is what do you wear at the porn awards? Yeah. Uh, I, I would feel very like my problem is I've been to like, I've been to a circuit party before and I didn't know how to tell people like, I very much approve of all of this. Like I'm very sex positive, but I'm also having a panic attack yeah. because I I'm having sensory overload from the lights, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's yeah. very weird to be like, I have anxiety, uh, but I'm also sex positive is like also a very weird thing to kind of, I don't know if you have anxiety, but weird thing. Oh, absolutely. Of, like, yeah. So I imagine it's just being like. Did you feel like I don't belong here? Oh, absolutely. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or was it like a weird, like, I don't belong here, I don't deserve to be here? Or like, how did it? I felt like I didn't belong there just because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not comfy being in that flirty, sexy space. You know, that yes. like, kind of aggressively sexual space. I'm not, 
I, I can't, I can't access that part of myself <laughs> for just anybody, you know? Yeah. So it, it was, that part of it was like, I, I a little bit felt like, not that I was in a place where I don't speak the language, but uh, like, maybe like I was in Canada. Like it's a similar yes. language, but there's just a little bit of I'm differences yeah. that you're like, oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, no, but I know I felt like I deserved to be there, I, you know, for, but no, I don't, I don't feel like I had any of the currency that is valuable. People, in that that's valuable. Culture. You're like, I wrote a bunch of jokes. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I, and I'm I, not going to take my shirt off. Would ever. argue that you have plenty of currency in, in the way that you're, you know, discounting yourself. No, but. You. I certainly understand the feeling. Of, you get it. Yeah. You get it. Um, are those on, online yet? They the will way? be on the Here TV app sometime later this year. Oh, yeah. You heard. To watch. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Um, Chris, where else can we see you? What's happening um, soon? Uh, what's happening soon? We are having, let me look on my calendar because this is going to be really awesome. So I think it's on March 20. Yeah, March 28th, we are having uh, a Final Fantasy party with Square Enix. And uh, I can't say any of the other sponsor awareness, uh, sponsors that are on board yet. But uh, it's very, very awesome because I'm hosting this party. uh, I think we're going to be raising money for the center. And we have a bunch of drag queens doing acts from Final Fantasy numbers, which is a big... People who don't even... I don't really know much about Final Fantasy, but I'm still excited because I'm just very excited for drag queens to explore themselves in any sort of way. So uh, definitely check that out as far... And uh, if you want to go to any like LGBT nerd events, it's at LA Gamers on uh, Instagram and you can find all of our stuff there. Uh, and then my name, I really hate this name, but now it's stuck on my stupid Netflix show and everything on Instagram and Twitter is at Tinder, like uh, T-E-N-D-E-R, Chris, Tinder Chris. Tinder Chris. Not the app. Yeah. And I don't know why I stuck with that, but that's now my name. And I feel bad because it's on my <laughs> stupid Cookie on High sh- shows. I'm like, uh, I'm stuck with it. <laughs> How did you choose that name? I know, There was not, I have the worst name possible. I'm horrible with like, I'm finally getting someone to make a, like to get a website and put me on Google because I'm just, I'm horrible with that stuff. And I was like, I'm tender emotionally. And then I didn't realize by th- like posting thirst traps of my butt, it just makes me look like I have an OnlyFans and don't do comedy at all. So that's how it it got stuck that way. But yeah, now I'm known as Tinder Chris on Instagram and it's, it I is what it, it is. I think it suits you. I like it. Yeah. You are tender. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm very tender. <laughs> following you right now. Um, it's happening. And by the way, my uh, Final Fantasy and Drag Queens, my two of my boyfriend's favorite things. So I would love I'm very, I'm going to add you and definitely add your boyfriend to this because I think he would have a blast. You would have no idea what's going on, but I know all the money is going to be uh, sent to a good cause. And it's just queer nerd spaces are so fun. Yeah. Everyone feels included. No one knows what anyone is talking about. <laughs> but yeah. Right up my alley. Perfect. Crisp, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.